We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily, dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? Welcome to another episode of Outside the Trenches. I'm BJ Kissel, joined as always by my guys, Nick Leckie, former K-State All-American and Super Bowl champion with the New Orleans Saints, and then also our content manager at KC Sports Network, Mr. Tucker Franklin. We appreciate you for spending part of your day with us here, and we've got a special shout out to the presenting sponsor of this show and Five Farms Irish Cream Liquor. If you are in the Kansas City area and you are looking for a cool place to go, head up to Western Missouri, take a tour of the Holiday or McCormick Distillery, whatever you want to call it. Great people up there, uh, proud sponsors of KC Sports Network, and we love working with them. And I absolutely love the Five Farms Irish Cream. So throw in a little coffee, throw in a little um, hot chocolate. Uh, as the weather's starting to turn a little bit, it's absolutely beautiful out there right now, guys. But I uh, hope everybody out there is doing well as we get ready for um, a weekend full of football before the Chiefs take on the Raiders on Monday night. We'll break it all down. Uh, but, Nick, we'll start with you, man. How has the, the last week been for you? It's been peachy. It's been really peachy. Um, I, I, K-State did well. Chiefs did well. Chiefs ran the ball. So I'm, I'm pleased. <laughs> I'm really pleased. I don't, you were- I don't shout at my TV anymore. You were fired up because you were keeping receipts. I was saying when they give Clyde Edwards, Edwards, Alaire the ball and the running game, the ball in general, good things tend to happen. And you were right. And we'll, I'm sure we'll get to that. So Tucker, how's your last week been? It's been good. Been uh, getting all this content managed, you know how it is and just making sure everyone (laughs) gets what they need here at KC Sports. We've got a lot of stuff out uh, right now. We're going to have a lot more stuff coming up before the Monday night football game. Uh, Chiefs getting both of their like weird day games out of the way early this season, which is uh, interesting. And I think I kind of like it. 
Yeah. And guys, I'm excited uh, about this show, not only because we get uh, probably our eighth or ninth show of, of Blind Nil, which uh, Nick doesn't like to take credit, for, but uh, if this is your first time listening to this show. It's a little different than the other ones on the network, uh, a little more laid back, a little more uh, sarcastic, uh, but Blind Nil, the way this show is set up is each one of us bring a different segment to the show that the other two don't know about. Uh, and then we talk about it. But for this one specifically, uh, my Blind Nil segment is going to come from the comment section. So if you are watching this live on YouTube, send us your questions, your comments, and our last segment in today's show is going to be based on a comment that you guys send on something you want us talking about, uh, preferably football and Chiefs related, but you never know uh, with us. Nick shaking his head. In the offseason, we get weird. You try to stay a little more on task here during the regular season. But guys, before we get to the blind nail segments, I saw this article on ESPN from Bill Barnwell, uh, which is through basically the quarter of the season. It's not quite as clean saying that now with 17 games, but uh, we'll still say the first quarter of the season. He's got uh, his, you know, award, you know, his MVP, his comeback player of the year, you know, coach of the year, offensive, defensive rookie of the years and player of the year. And the first one that jumped out to me, first segment in the articles, defensive rookie of the year, his top three candidates. And number three, Jalen Watson. From the Kansas City Chiefs, Bill Barnwell from ESPN has him at number three in the defensive rookie of the year uh, conversation. Number two, Tariq Woolen, the cornerback from the Seahawks. And number one, Devin Lloyd from the Jaguars, which is interesting. I'm not going to say I pay a lot of attention to what's going on with some of the other guys like an Aiden Hutchinson uh, up in Detroit. But uh, pretty interesting that those are the three guys that he's got for his defensive rookie of the year. Tucker, I see your face. What is your response to that? If you would have told me a Chiefs defensive rookie was on that list, Jalen Watson probably wouldn't have been the guy that I said. Uh, but he's played well, so it doesn't. It's not too surprising. But uh, I thought you definitely were going to go with George Karloftis. I thought you were going to drop that little name on us. Uh, he's played well. He's played well as well. He's got a lot of pressures. Uh, pressures. I think you've had a really good conversation uh, with uh, Trevor Sycamore from PFF about pressures mm -hmm. being production. Um, and I think that people do need to look at pressures a little bit more in that way. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of surprised me. But at the same time, I'm not surprised because he has been playing well. He has looked really good so far early on in the season. And I think anytime you get a, like a fumble, like a fumble six too, that's going to boost your radar. But I think just playing consistently too, I think that's the name of the game, especially at cornerback. It's really, like I said, what they did in Tampa was, was really good. The cornerbacks as a whole. They're physical. They make open field tackles, especially on Leonard Fournette. That's that's no easy task. Yeah, I think in the article, the way that he explains, you can find it on ESPN.com. It's one of the ESPN insider stories. But he has Aiden Hutchinson listed. He's the only rookie with more than two sacks, but they all came in one game against the Commanders, uh, who hand out free sacks like they're uh, candy on Halloween, is what he said. But uh, Hutchinson is actually 54th out of 58 qualifying edge rushers in pass rush win, win rate. Uh, and then he's got Trevon Walker listed, but hasn't even <clears throat> been the best first rounder or best rookie uh, for the Jaguars. And then he also mentions Derek Stingley and Stoss Gardner has had their moments, uh, but other guys have had, you know, a bigger impact. And you look at the fact that, you know, Jalen Watson made the biggest play in one of the biggest games, most exciting games of the season so far. And the whole world was watching uh, people remember that stuff. So. Uh, shout out to Jalen Watson, who stepped in well as Trent McDuffie hopefully comes back in the next couple of weeks, which is crazy that we've spent the last four days talking about this Chiefs rookie class and the fact that the first pick that they made, who had been playing really, really well, uh, isn't discussed. And I don't want to say as an afterthought, but the defense has been rolling. Uh, so it'll be even better when he steps in. 
But the other ones um, that are chief specific that we can talk about, I did think it was a little interesting that Andy Reid is not listed under the top three for coach of the year um, based on Chiefs starting three and one. And they lost a lot of dudes uh, from last year, but they've got Kevin O'Connell from the Vikings, Mike McDaniel from the Dolphins, who should be uh, not on this list because of how they handled. Yes. In my opinion. 100%. But no surprise, number one, Nick Sirianni with the Eagles. Um, anyone who's followed the NFL, Nick Sirianni is a name that you had heard for like seven, eight years, even when he was a wide receivers coach. Um, it was a guy that people were talking about. Uh, comeback player of the year, Jeff Okuda uh, with the Lions, Khalil Mack with the Chargers, Saquon Barkley with the Giants. Defensive player of the year candidates, Max Crosby, Minka Fitzpatrick, Nick Bosa. Offensive player of the year, Nick Chubb, Stephon Diggs, and Tyree Kill at number one. And then MVP. I ran through those real quick so we can get to this MVP for Bill Barnwell. Number three, Lamar Jackson quarterback for the Ravens. If you didn't know that number two, Josh Allen with the bills, which means number one, he's got Patrick Mahomes as his top MVP candidate through the first four games of the season. Nick, you look perplexed. What are your thoughts? You know, I just think the um, – I know Josh Allen had the uh, the mess up versus the, the Dolphins, the bad pass, um, you know, that I think you'll be looked upon when you're an MVP, right? It's got to be consistent, especially in the clutch. And with Mahomes, you know, I, I think that's accurate. I mean, coming off the – like the spin move, that's your Heisman moment, so to speak, right? Your, your MVP yeah. clip that he's going to have, kind of like the shot put. Um, I, I like that. It, it is a bummer that it's mostly quarterbacks, you know, and it makes sense because quarterbacks have the easiest influence, the hardest job to do, you know, but they are just one person, a part of many. And I mean, Mahomes didn't have his, well, he had a decent game versus Indy. He's had some couple drops. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, he's still learning. And and I don't really give much credit to to preseason or midseason awards, but it's a good pulse check for right for the past four. It's content. <laughs> is that what it is? See, I'm content. anti. That's why I'm anti. I'm so like, I haven't bought it. I haven't bought it fully to the content thing. So, yeah. So, I, I get it. I get it. But, yeah. It's a good discussion point, dude. It's a good jumping out point. Because I think yep. Lamar, too, blew, blew it versus Josh Allen, right? So, he's ranked below Josh Allen. Um, you know, so that's one of those things where it's a total, it's a total MVP is a team, team win. For sure. Tucker, what's your response? I, my response was the first to look at the DraftKings uh, odds for uh, <laughs> who's nice. going to win MVP. Josh nice. Allen favored right now at plus 275. Lamar Jackson at plus 500, tied with Patrick Mahomes at plus 500. So those three guys, uh, it's kind of like flipped, I guess you could say. So if you still haven't got your futures bet in on Patrick Mahomes MVP plus 500, that's a pretty good line to put it down on. If you If you think about it, I think it started at plus 900. Is that right? I'll go check. I'll go check and see what I got it at. Because <laughs> I think I think it started at nine or nine fifty. Um, so it's working its way down. Jalen Hurts at five fifty. That's another guy who's been playing really well this year that could have yeah. a, a a shot for uh, that. But I think offensive player of the year you could justify Jalen Hurts being it because he's just so much more than quarterback he can run the ball too and he's been proven to be a weapon for Nick Sirianni who he had an interview with Pat McAfee and my goodness Nick Sirianni is just like one of the bros is what it is, is he just like loves to hang out and be a dude. And I guess he bought uh, Jason Kelsey two kegs of beer 
so he would stay in Philadelphia and, and play. So that was part of his gift of, of resigning in Philadelphia was two kegs of beer. And he said, I'll buy him kegs of beer every year that he wants to come back because he's one of the smartest football players he's ever been around. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's uh, just one of those fun stories. Uh, Nick Sirianni, uh, great guy. And good to see good to see the Eagles doing something uh, positive, I think. I, I, I like the Eagles. It's obviously Super. he knows his players. Yeah. Well, I told you guys, I mean, the best coaches ha- have a good pulse on the players and, and the best coaches treat their players as equals. I think college, the college coaches have a tendency to treat your players as college kids, whereas NFL, man, you got to be bros. I mean, you you're, you're spend so much damn time with each other that if you're not tight, if you're not, if you're not loose, then they'll sniff out fakeness real quick. And then you'll have a crappy season because of that. And yes, Tucker, it was plus 900 that I got Patrick Mahomes to win MVP at. Oh. Uh, I got I got Frank Clark to lead the league in sacks at plus fifteen thousand. So really, got he, have, he one. has one. Does he have one this year? <clears throat> I don't. He's a, late, he's a late bloomer. Yeah, we need a couple big games out of him uh, to get in there. Same thing with Sky Moore to lead the rookies in receiving yards. He's getting more snaps. You know what? Those are my free my free bets. So anyway, let's get into the blind nil segments uh, for today. Uh, who wants to start between you two? I'm waiting now to, uh, to see what kind of comment we get or what kind of, uh, you know, I'll blind nail segment we get from the comment section. I'll start. All right. So this is Monday night game in Arrowhead. Uh, give me your guys' favorite Monday night game of all time or the most memorable or, you know, whatever. So, man. I was gonna do the ninety like the Joe Montana mile high magic, like just because that is such an iconic drive uh, where we go down and throw the touchdown to the corner of the end zone. Uh, that play's been talked about so much. Uh, but the the New England man, the New England uh, when Tommy Brady got benched uh, on Monday night at Arrowhead Stadium in the game that the Chiefs and Arrowhead Stadium set the world record for the Guinness you know book loudest um, stadium. And Tom Brady, they show him sitting on the sideline getting benched uh, in that game was. Uh, <clears throat> was something that I will never forget. So I'm probably going to put a tie because I was watching both those games. But I don't think as a Chiefs fan, you cannot talk about Monday night and not talk about Joe Montana in Denver uh, going up against John Elway and uh, doing what he did. My first thought was the – it was a loss, but it was the Monday night football game against the Rams um, where they scored a billion points in that game, <laughs> yeah. um, which was – some people say was the best football game ever played. Um some are saying that. Um, I'm saying I'm necessarily <laughs> saying that, but some people are saying it. Uh, but that was the first one that kind of that kind of came to mind about that. I know the Chiefs lost it, but like after that game, I was just like, "Well, that's well, Patrick Mahomes was pretty good after that game." That was crazy because that game wasn't even supposed to be played there. They no. figured that out. It was supposed to be played in Mexico, but the Shakira concert tore up the stadium, so they had to move <laughs> the game uh, to playing in L.A. at the Coliseum. And they, I remember they had the chain smokers performing like before the game. I'm like, how did they get all this stuff figured out yeah. in like four days? They had Jay-Z and Beyonce were walking around. And I just remember the Coliseum, they were uh, renovating the press box. So we were in like basically like trailers up on top of the stadium. Um, and yeah, I remember the crowd, the people sitting right below us in the press box. Um they were enjoying themselves in the way that Californians do with what they were smoking. And it was getting into the press box. And it was a very interesting Contact situation. High. It was a very interesting uh, atmosphere uh, in the press box uh, during that, you know, those two 20 minute segments. 
That's cool. You know, I think too, when you look at it, a night game, the Coliseum, the LA Coliseum has like some of like, it's, um, you know how people talk about sound, music sound from like digital to like music sound from like vinyl on an album. I love the light at the Coliseum on night games because it looks so like vintage. Like it looks like old school. Like they, like they're using like actual non led lights or fluorescent bulbs or whatever halogen bulbs from back in the day. So yeah, it gives it a, a vibey feel that Monday night game. Um, I, I'm, I, I'm, this is a weird one, but I'm going to have to go with one that I was a part of and it was the 06, 06 uh, Cardinals uh, versus the bears. And I believe, I believe it was like the first Monday night game in Arizona forever. We had the new stadium that year in 06 and we were up on them. Bears were undefeated. And we were up on them, and then we they didn't score a single offensive touchdown, and they beat us. They beat us like twenty four to twenty one or twenty seven something, and and so they we had a fullbacks went the wrong way one time, and our, Matt Liner got sacked. He's a lefty, so it came from the right. We slid left. The fullbacks went left, and then the fumble six. Uh, Devin Hester had a punt return. Uh, another fumble six from Edger and James, and then. I remember we had the ball, we drove it late and we had a field goal to win it and our kicker missed it. And it was like, and I remember like, Oh, we missed it. Like could have won. And I remember the other team coming on, on the bears offense coming on and they were like incredulous that they won this game without scoring a touchdown. And it was also the same time my boy RIP Denny green did the whole, the rant that we let them off the hook they are who we thought they were. Crown them. I mean, there's so much action with that game. It was like nuts. that was that game. It was that game. It was oh, that game. it was not. When you talk about not scoring a touchdown, all of the Chiefs fan I can think about is the Pittsburgh playoff game. That's all yeah. I'm thinking. Yeah. Like, oh, they lost without scoring. I'm like, yeah, that happened to the Chiefs in a playoff game. But yeah, I didn't realize that's cool. I didn't know you were a part of that. You it was my first history. start of the. It was my first start of the year too. So it was like wow, <laughs> it was nuts. But yeah, so it was like wow, that's like, cool. Yeah, but that was one that's memorable for so many reasons. Like it would have blew up Twitter back in 06. It was three years before Twitter. That's crazy. All right, everybody who's watching out on YouTube, we appreciate you for spending part of your day with us if you're watching live or if you're listening to the podcast after afterwards. But if you are watching live or uh, afterwards on YouTube, please hit that like and subscribe button and drop a comment. Let us know what you think about uh, the content, things that we're talking about. But also if you're watching live, you've got a segment, you've got something you want us talking about, let us know what that is. And that'll be our final segment in today's show. So shoot us over a question and the three of us will chat about it to finish out this show. But Tucker, it is your turn for your blind nil segment. Before I get going, you guys know that I got kind of a sensitive stomach. And uh, when it comes to, like, drinking coffee, not necessarily uh, the best for it. But I've actually found out this, Nick. You might you might think this is interesting. Um, cold brew doesn't do the same thing to my, to my stomach as it does as a regular hot coffee. I guess it's less acidic. Um, so very good. And, you know, the folks at Trade Coffee, they do a really good job of helping me figure that out. Um, I, when I drink coffee, I like to have good coffee. I've been making it in the cold brew, put it in my little thing, shake it up, leave it in overnight. Uh, but they give me the best coffee. And, and there's, you know, it's, it's crazy that we love to enjoy the finer things. Nick, you love the finer things in life. I see your Twitter. You're tweeting out all this Thai barbecue. You like good 
good coffee. And we're not going to settle for blah coffee here at KC Sports Network. And with Trade Coffee, you can start every morning with something special. Let me tell you about Trade. It's a subscription service unlike anything you've tried before because they partner with top independent roasters to freshly roast and send the best coffees in the country directly to your home on a preferred schedule. Their team of experts do all the work, taste testing hundreds of coffees, Across the United States every month, you curate over 450 exceptional <laughs> coffees that make the cut. Here's a really cool thing. If you go to trade.com slash KCSN, they have our own custom KCSN selection. So you can subscribe to what we get there. Uh, you can try it out, and you don't have to worry about it. And if it's not up your alley, uh, Trade will have whatever you want. You can shop their most popular coffees by roast or flavor profile, or you can take their coffee quizzes, which what I did, to kind of figure out what they kind of tailored it to what I like. And you can get expertly matched coffees that you'll love. So here's what you do. If you want to support small businesses, I know you do, and brew the best cups of coffee that you've ever made at home, it's time to try Trade Coffee. Right now, Trade Coffee is offering listeners a total of $30 off their order plus free shipping at drinktrade.com slash KCSN. You go there, you can kind of scroll down, see our KCSN uh, collection as well. You can subscribe to that, or you can just take the quiz yourself at drinktrade.com slash KCSN for $30 off your subscription to the best coffees in the country. Love it. Stuff. I know Tick, Tucker or Nick. I'll get it right at one point. I know Nick loves him some coffee. So I love coffee. Should have him do those reads because he loves him some coffee and some trade coffee. I yeah. do love trade coffee. And it's a great place if you're a coffee snob. It's a great place to <clears> find <throat> so many different independent roasters across the country. And they'll aggregate and send it to you because there's so many. There's a lot here in Kansas City and there's a lot nationally. And you don't have to go through the process where, oh, crap, I'm, I'm out. Like if you're a coffee guy, you know how much you go through. And you can tell them, you know, hey, send me a pound every week or every two weeks or monthly, just depending on how you go through it. So you can you can fine tune it uh, how you want to do it as well. It's a really cool thing because I've been there where I wake up or at nighttime, 11 o'clock. I'm like, oh, crap, I'm out of coffee. It's like, well, with, with Trey, that wouldn't happen. Just BJ, though. Only BJ gets swallowed. Yeah. Then say hi to you guys. So, um, Tucker, what's your blind nail segment for us today? So, I think we should talk about Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I think, <laughs> shocker, this team is pretty good. Um, and it's because Patrick Mahomes is such a good quarterback. But I think sometimes we can take that for granted. BJ, you had on, on your 10 things, you kind of talked about some of the accolades that Patrick Mahomes has done. Travis Kelsey, you can even put him in that category too. As Chiefs fans, I think sometimes we find ourselves taking them for granted. Um, and it's hard not to. It's hard to to kind of um, make sure we don't get that Patrick Mahomes, that Travis Kelsey fatigue. So my question to you guys is, how do we make sure that we don't get the fatigue of these guys doing greatness on just literally a consistent level. They're always setting records, always moving up lists. So how do, how do we make sure that we are appreciating them in the moment while they're playing for our favorite team? Find a comparable, right? Like go back to the bad chiefs years and, you know, think about when it was, you know, when it was unfortunately our boy, Matt Cat, Wayne Bowe, and, you know, compare it to that, you know, have a, have a touchstone, you know, they uh, think back to the Todd Haley years, you know, when he was in charge and just remember what it was like. Uh, <clears throat> I used to, I used to do a pregame show in 2012 uh, with Seren Petro and Curtis Siebel. And it was miserable. Like it was, it was miserable because we, <laughs> we would do like, this is 2012. Like this is the year, unfortunately, you know, Jovan Belcher uh, committed murder and, you know, you know, committed suicide as well. 
uh, had to had to do it that next day. You know, we we did the, the pregame show that next day, so it was some tragedy. And just look at how bad they were, right? And you knew going into games, right? You're like, I don't, I'm not feeling this. And even on the pregame show, you know, like, hey, what are you picking? I'm picking. Well, I'm picking the Panthers by 20 today over Kansas City or something like that. You know, it's like just so have a touchdown. You know, if you if you get that fatigue and realize that, look at other things. Look at you know, look how long Gronk and uh, Tom Brady did it for too, right? So just have have something. When you do that, let's have something to compare it to. This could be this. Or look at other other teams in the league and their quarterback tight end combinations. Uh, and look at history. Compare it to history. You know, and it's like, damn. Yeah. So we were, Nick, we were joking before the show about, you know, or even on the show a little bit about just content and just like what's good content. Like I was a content creator in 2012. I was at Arrowhead Pride and we had to create content that wasn't just completely bashing that it wasn't about, you know, here's the lo- latest information on the, you know, uh, planes that are going to fly over Arrowhead with, you know, the fire Pioli and all those signs. Like it was, there was some <laughs> dark, some dark times, obviously with the Jerron Belcher stuff that you're talking about um, in general. But yeah, I think giving context, uh, to what they're doing, whether it's comparing, you know, to, you know, former Chiefs teams, you know, that weren't that long ago. This wasn't that long ago that, you know, we were just clamoring to be relevant. And now we're going, what, you know, four straight AFC title game, like completely different scenarios. So I said, this is the golden age of Chiefs football that we're living in right now. And our quarterback's 27 years old. And he's doing things that have never been done. I think Tucker to specifically answer the question. I think the best way we can do it is to continue not glossing over the checkpoints like enjoy the every step of the journey and don't feel like you don't have to put those superlatives out of he's the fastest quarterback in NFL history to hit 20,000 yards. You know, the first 67 games of his career, he has 162 touchdown passes, which is two more than Dan Marino had. You start throwing numbers out there like that and contextualizing. This is different. This is special. It's not just because he can spin away from Devin white and throw a sidearm pass for a touchdown that we've never seen before the numbers he's putting up. We've never seen before. And I think just continuing to do that. That's why I shout out to the chiefs communications department uh, and all the interns looking up all these stats and always having to stay on top of these things because, you know, there are so many different ways you could contextualize what he's doing and that no one's ever done this before. They're finding new and creative ways to explain and put into context what we're seeing uh, will keep people from, you know, marginalizing or normalizing, I should say, normalizing greatness uh, in what we're seeing because, you know, we can sit here and say he's the best player, he's the best player, he's the best player, but giving context to it with some of those types of nuggets, um, I think hit home better than, you know, just the hyperbole of he's so great. <clears throat> it's apparently very selfish, according to yeah. the <laughs> this, uh This might be more of like a, a national conversation, right? Because it seems like sometimes that Patrick Mahomes doesn't get the national conversation, the national attention uh, that it is. Because I know I know everybody in Kansas City thinks that, you know, Patrick Mahomes is obviously the best player in this league. And there are some people nationally that will say it's Josh Allen or some people that will say it's still Tom Brady. Um, you know, but I think that just trying to to appeal to the to the masses is obviously hard because um, you're never going to get people to agree on one thing. Um but yeah, no, I think I think that's a it's really good <clears throat> to just appreciate to just make sure that you're aware of all of the checkpoints. That that your ten things, BJ, on was that Monday uh, was a really good way for me to be like, oh, holy cow! Like th- he's doing stuff that's like literally never been done before in this game that's been around a hundred and what four years now. Um, so it's it's one of those things where you just kind of have to take a step back for a moment. 
You know, uh, BJ, this is a question for you since you're a baseball guy, a pitcher, and you can throw it. I must have watched that Mahomes clip like 10 times, <laughs> 15 times, but not to see the movement, but just to see how he, how he threw it because he had it up here, and then did he just flick it? Because then it went to a spiral. Like I'm, it was, it was bizarro. Like there was no like motion. It was like, like how did did you see it? Did you see it? like? Yeah. How did he... I mean, I have no idea how he did it. I mean, that's why he is because it came out is. as a spiral. Uh, it came out as a spiral from like just this, like just yeah. up in the air. I have no idea. And he had one of the best linebackers in the NFL, like bearing down on him uh, and all kinds of crazy stuff going on in that play. And shout out to, I think it was Justin Watson who like put his arms out and like blocked a couple of guys who were trying to get at him at that same time on that play. But I don't know. A lot's been made about, you know, playing shortstop and throwing on the run and all the different arm angles and all the different ways in which you move your body and you contort it. But it was a shout out to Bobby Stroop. You know, we talk about him a lot. Uh, every, all cheese fans talk about him a lot. He's really active on social media, but I'll never forget one of the things that Bobby I think he had tweeted out or he had told me when we were chatting uh, during an interview once that, you know, they train for him to be powerful in awkward, you know, physical positions uh, to where he is kind of running, you know, one way, throwing back the other way, where a lot of these places, and we make jokes about pro football focus and they don't know how to grade, um, you know, players making plays like that because they see him do it and like, oh, he's just, you know, out there doing things he shouldn't be doing. He actually trains those things. <laughs> he's working on throwing the ball and doing things like that. So. I think the baseball has a lot to do with it. Just a short stop. You come in, you run to your left, you run to your right, you spin, you turn, you throw back across your body, all those different things. You just, you throw the ball so much. And Andy Reid talked about this a lot after Mahomes was drafted. They just liked that he threw the ball a lot in college and he was throwing it all over the place. Whereas sometimes, you know, 15 years ago, they weren't throwing as much in college and they have all these different kind of college offenses. When you get to the NFL, you open it up and you want to throw a little bit more. Uh, they're just not quite comfortable with it. Whereas Mahomes has been throwing footballs all over the place, uh, Texas tech, even back in high school and obviously with the baseball background. So I think it's just naturally getting out there and throwing a lot. And that the fact that he trains to, you know, throw in those kinds of scenarios. Um, I mean, even the touchdown pass to Justin Watson, when you go back and watch, he is not, not only is he not on platform, he like did like a skip step, to throw that football like he and that's just to get the ball out quickly before you know he gets hit uh and his ability to generate power in those positions um is why he is who he is that and just the the vision uh, i don't know if that answers your question nick but as a guy who played baseball like 20 years ago i can't explain exactly how he's doing these things <laughs> but you can see from the way that you know he runs and throws backs across his body that that is very much a um, skill set that you see from you know middle infielders for sure Middle infielders. That's short second, those middle mm -hmm. infielders. Nice. Uh, where are we on the Jody Forts and TD count? <laughs> what is it, three? Is you it two what? or is it three? Uh, you know what, look Tucker? Up. Look up where he ranks in fantasy football tight ends because he's got a couple touchdowns and fantasy football tight ends <laughs> are just brutal. And so if he finishes in like the top 10 of scoring, <laughs> I owe Nick the biggest apology ever. Uh, I said he get four, right? I said he get four. I don't know. You said you take him in the sixth round of your fantasy draft. I told you. Is the yeah, one that I, I remember. You. I told you. It's still yes. really early, but if he does finish in the top ten, that's. <laughs> I, didn't know I, was a fantasy, I didn't know I was a fantasy person or a gambling person. So, yeah. What's the line? Hey, hey. Uh, what are, what's the line? Seven. It was seven. seven. It was a set. Started at seven and a half. It's down to seven. I think over under is at fifty one, unless that's changed. Uh, last couple of days. How comfortable are you guys with that? At home, Monday night, Raiders looking to bounce back. They've had some ugly, 
ugly losses, uh, but they're in games. You know, they're not in that. They're getting the brakes beat off them. They're in games. So how comfortable are you with seven? $100, $200? Probably about right. Uh, the way that the Chiefs played against the Bucs, if they come out and play like that and the, the Raiders aren't on their stuff, it's going to – I don't think it's going to be close. But then again, I thought we were going to blow out the Colts and I thought the game against the the Bucks, I warned people not to think that it was going to be a get-right game for the Chiefs offense. So I couldn't be more <laughs> wrong over the last couple of weeks. So take that for what it's worth. But, you know, it's a division game. And the, the Raiders, you know, started 0-3. They, they beat the Broncos last week. You know, they're – you know, having to dig themselves out of a hole. And from a Chiefs fan perspective, you love to play the Raiders this week because you get to bury them uh, even further, have them start one and four, which I think is like a seven, six percent uh, of teams make the playoffs after starting something like that, uh, starting a season like that. So um, I think because it's a division game, because it's under the lights, I mean, this game means everything to the Raiders. Um, and for that reason, you know, they're going to be fired up and coming out ready to play, expect them to have some stuff saved for this game. Uh, and Devonte Adams is legit good. And so they're good enough to come and bite you. If you don't go and play well, uh, I just don't think we're going to see the chiefs come out and not be focused because we saw that, uh, at some level make excuses or whatever, what happened against the Colts. But, um, if they play anything like they did on Sunday. I think I would definitely take the over and I would take the chiefs. Uh, but then again, I wouldn't take my advice, uh, until I get a couple things right. <laughs> Have you started on your DraftKings BJ to just set like all your bets and do the opposite yet? Are, are we at that point? Are we at that point yet? You know what, Nick? <laughs> this is not a college football <laughs> show, but I did that in the K-State-Oklahoma game. I took uh, Oklahoma straight up to hedge yeah. my emotions. Yeah. And then I took K-State in the under. It's like, oh, if they win, it's going to be a low-scoring game. And then K-State won in the over. So you literally could not have bet the whole thing worse yeah. uh, than I did to lose every bet. Um, I can't bet. I couldn't bet on the Chiefs. I couldn't bet on K-State. Like, I'm not the biggest Chiefs fan, but I watch it intently and I get hyped up. So I'm slowly becoming a Chiefs fan. Uh, but I could never bet on K-State either way. I don't need that kind of added emotion to already my emotion right yeah. now. <clears throat> yeah. All right. We Tucker, do you have uh, another read for us before we get to this final segment? Oh, you know that I do. And, and this is a company that if you've been listening to uh, KC Sports Network, you know that we love. And we've been really talking about them recently a whole lot. And that is our friends over at Liquid Death. Yes. Listen, you might be walking around uh, your, your grocery store and saying like, whoa, wh why is there like cases of beer? Why are there tall boy cans of beer in this bottled water section? And let me tell you, it's not beer, it's bottled water, and it's it's spring water from the Alps. And why is it called liquid death? Because it brutally murders your thirst. I can tell you right now, look, I got a can right here. It's crushed because it brutally murdered my thirst, and then I brutally murdered the can. Um, I've got a lot of good experiences with liquid death. It comes in four different flavors. It comes in still water, regular mountain water from the Alps. <laughs> BJ's drinking a can. I had a case of it. But then they've got the three different flavors of sparkling water. It's berry. It's mango. It's lime. And they also just have a regular like tonic type water, just a regular sparkling water that you can use it for a nice mixer if you if you do so please. Um if that's more your style, you can go check that out. But um, it's called Liquid Death. Murders brutally murders your thirst, and it's also infinitely recyclable uh, aluminum cans. They're bringing death to plastic <clears throat> bottles. They donate ten percent of their profits to reducing plastic pollution. Just something we love to see. I hate plastic pollution, so giving back to that cause is great. 
Uh, you can find it at your local Hy-Vee, 7-Eleven, uh, Woody's, all those places, Roundman's. Or if you need to find a retail location near you, you can go to liquiddeath.com slash KCSN. That's liquiddeath.com slash KCSN. Go give them a little checkout for us. You know, it's uh, it's also good about Liquid Death, too, is I have some buddies who stop drinking and they, they will drink that um, on the boat just so it gives the appearance and people to go, why aren't you drinking? Yeah. I'm like, because you go, well, Liquid Death, okay, I, I get it. But murder, murder. I got to give a special shout out right now to Skylar Harrison in the comment section. He's telling us the Raiders are the same old Raiders. And if we knew what happened last year and uh, yes, uh, we knew uh, what happened last year. They absolutely blew them out uh, later in the season, um, but never underestimate uh, a division game, especially in, you know, we've talked about it before, never underestimate an embarrassed professional athlete. Uh, the chiefs have been known to play down to their opponents at times. I don't know if this would be playing sure. down to an opponent or playing up. Um, if you're looking at it that way from the Raiders perspective, but this game means everything uh, to the Raiders at this point in the season, they start one and four and they're buried. Um, it's going to be that much more difficult and the whole world's going to be watching. Uh, so there's gonna be a lot be made about this. Josh McDaniels going to be on the front, you know, in front of the entire world, uh, knowing that the season didn't start the way that, uh, that they had wanted. So, um, you know, in the other thing that you put in there, do you remember they, they stormed the logo uh, before the game Skylar yep. had said, and the Raiders have a history of doing that. And they've done that before um, going back to Lamar Houston. Um, I'll never forget uh, the defensive tackle. It was there years ago uh, had stormed the field and basically was out there disrupting the chiefs cheerleaders, trying to practice uh, their routines before the couple hours before the game. And he was being really rude uh, to a lot of the staff members and the cheerleaders and, uh, but he's in charge of the cheerleaders. So uh, it has been a thing for them. And then John Gruden taking the extra lap uh, when they did beat the chiefs uh, and the memes that came out of that have just been absolutely phenomenal. So uh, yeah, let's uh, scale. I like the question that you had brought up earlier on, um, you know, Tucker is, as we just lost Nick, uh, hopefully we can get him back. But yeah. if not uh, this final segment will just between uh, Tucker and myself, but Tucker, the question is just going to be, you know, what's your favorite memory of chiefs, Raiders um so Tucker we'll start with you uh but what is your all-time favorite memory uh between the Chiefs and the Raiders in this long-standing rivalry the uh the one that got brought up in the comment section was probably the one for me and it was a Jamal Charles game was it the four touchdown game right he had four touchdowns there um five touchdowns yes um if you haven't if you haven't listened to the one on one episode this week, it was uh, Jeff Schwartz and um, Mike DeVito. Uh, Jeff Allen wasn't there. Man, I would really love to hear Jeff Jeff and Jeff tell this story yeah. about that about that game because Jeff told a really good story. Jeff Schwartz told a really good story about uh, how they just kept running the same play over and over and Jamal just kept mm -hmm. scoring on the same play over and over. And the Raiders were getting so upset about it. And hearing that story about it. Uh, I don't want to give it all away because Jeff Jeff has some great details. You should go listen to that story. Makes that game, I think, even better for me in my memory now, knowing that the Raiders were just so frustrated with it. And you could probably you could tell that they were upset with it, right? But just to know that story uh, going into it, I think that, that that probably is the one that sticks out the most in my head. Another one that sticks out to me, I just thought about this one, is when Patrick Mahomes set the record for uh, for 5,000 yards, 50 touchdowns. And he mm -hmm. hit, was it Demarcus Robinson, I think, on that, yep. on that deep pass? Because he started running backwards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, was, I was at that game, actually. That was, was that the last Chiefs game I went to? Um, 
I don't think it was. I think I was Chiefs Texans in the regular season when it was like 20 to 19 or something like that. It was not a very good game. Uh, but I was at that game uh, to see the history that Patrick Mahomes did. That was uh, pretty cool in that season. Nick, we're talking about our favorite memories between the Chiefs and Raiders over the years. And and I'll share one of mine because I got a few and a few of them are kind of strange. Uh, not strange, but not necessarily plays. I I got really into this stat when I was working uh, for the Chiefs as their team reporter, team insider. Uh, when they were about to obviously get out of Oakland, they were moving to Las Vegas. We knew there was only like playing the last game that, between the two teams there. I looked up the stats on the all-time record the Chiefs had at the Coliseum. And, you know, with a couple years left, because there was one point we thought that the year before that the Raiders were going to go play somewhere else and not play at the Coliseum that last year. Uh, and then they got sued. There's just a big mess going yeah. on between the city of Oakland and the Raiders. Just uh, just Google it. We won't get into all those details. But I uh, didn't know if they were going to play there that last year. And the Chiefs had gone into, I think, a couple years before that. They were right around 500 as far as the Chiefs' all-time win-loss record in playing the Raiders at the Coliseum. And I had created this, like, you know, talking this content nick uh, is good content this is stuff that i love doing um but i was looking up and i was like i want the chiefs to finish with an all-time winning record at the coliseum against the raiders and so the last game the chiefs played there i think they had already had it but i think they solidified it even more because it was also the last time uh i believe the last time the chiefs played at the coliseum was also the last time in nfl history that they'll ever play a football game on a stadium that was also a baseball field because there was dirt on the field and it was the last time that was ever going to happen. And I'll always remember that game for a couple of reasons. One, I remembered after they won that game, like, and that was Demarcus Robinson went off in that game. I uh, had one of the best games of his career uh, there in Oakland. But I also remember before the game, just walking around and, you know, just you're wearing red walking around the call scene. Like people are going to let you hear it, even though you're like, you're not playing and people are yelling at me. I'm like, I'm not playing in this game. <laughs> like, I don't know why you're yelling at me. Uh, but uh, I also remember that game because uh, the new, you know, PR director, uh, Danny Welniak, uh, who's at the KC Current, went around and she actually scooped up a bunch of the infield dirt into these little like capsules. And she gave them to everybody in the media as, a, as like a gift, as like a here's a keepsake from the last game played, you know, at a dirt field uh, in an NFL game. But I love the fact that the Chiefs have an all time winning record at the, you know, the Coliseum, which is such a historic place for the Raiders. Knowing the Chiefs got the better of them more than the Raiders got the better of them. So that's the petty stuff that I enjoyed uh, looking up regarding that game. There are a lot of stories, but that's the first one that came to mind. Uh, and Nick, what comes to mind for you when you think Chiefs Raiders? Um, I, I think of what you were just referring to is the, the baseball football combo and how no. god and how god awful that Odaco Stadium used to be. Um, just, I mean, it was a baseball locker room and we had to squeeze into a baseball. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. This is the, for anybody's watching on YouTube, this is what Danny had given everybody. It's got some of the dirt in there. Pretty cool. That's, that's really cool. I like that. Um, and, and there's nothing worse than if you got to snap a ball and, and you're up there at second base. So you're up there, you know, <laughs> near, near, you know, something like that. And you got one foot in dirt, right. And one foot on the grass. And then the ball's on the seam of the, of the, the, dirt and the grass and it's like it's miserable it's absolutely miserable so uh, i i was i was thinking of a different game um it was a monday night it was the halloween game it was versus the chargers so it's not relevant um but it was the whole it fits in the raiders uh fan lore because those guys dress in costumes all the time uh all their fans and you know they got the black hole and all that stuff and it feels like um 
the Raiders have been corporate now that they got out of Oakland. You know, I feel like they had, there was a, a gritty edge to the Raiders when they're in Oakland, but they went, <clears throat> they went East to Vegas now. So it's, there's not as, doesn't have the right feel. Anymore. Somebody, somebody told me once, uh, I think it was right around the time that so Jeremy Macklin was just jawing with the black hole. Like Jeremy Macklin loved going over there. He loved talking trash to anybody, but he was walking over talking trash to them. And I remember asking one of the security guards uh, who was there, who I got to talking with because it was also when Marcus Peters went back. Uh, who's from Oakland when he was playing for the Chiefs, that one of the security guards for the Raiders was one of his high school football coaches. And he came up and Marcus came up, gave him a big hug and talked to him. And Marcus wasn't the most like welcoming person to like strangers, people he didn't know. So I knew that he knew that dude really well. I went up to him and I was just, cause it stood out. And I'm like, how do you know Marcus? And he was explaining how he knew him and everything. Um, but, and I'll remember that game because Marcus, it meant so much to him after that game, talking to him in the locker room uh, of playing in Oakland uh, that, that's something I'll always remember. But also when Jeremy Macklin was jawing uh, with the, re- the with the the black, the people in the black hole that are dressed up, Nick, like you're saying, I remember asking one of the security guards and I was like, has anybody ever jumped over? Cause I'm sure they do this all the time. Has it ever gotten really heated? And they were like, no, nah, they, they just dress up like that for the cameras. You want to go to the people that would jump over, go up to the top and go up and talk trash, <laughs> go up and talk trash to the people on the top of the stadium. He's like, that's where you don't want to be uh, wearing a bunch right. of red right now. Everybody down here is just dressed up wearing makeup for the cameras. He's like, don't go up to section 300 or whatever. And, uh, and start uh, talking trash. <laughs> uh, Hey, you want to talk about the Coliseum getting a contact high when we rolled into Oakland on, on the buses to, for the stadium, it was like beer cans getting thrown at you. You could smell marijuana heavily in the air. And it's like at like nine o'clock in the morning when these guys, they, they were getting after it in the, in the East Bay. That's for damn sure. Uh, in Alameda, Oakland area, Alameda stadium. Was I remember the, I took a video and I think the chief's reporter Twitter account still active. Um, I don't have that anymore, obviously, but you can go back and find these videos. But every time we played there, it seemed like three or four years in a row that we played there. It was always raining. Uh, and it was always just gross. Um, cause you always just thought that, you know, the, the field was a lot soggier than it should be for an NFL field with a little bit of rain. Like it didn't have that kind of arc that had all the water run off to the side. Like it didn't do that, but there were live wires that were hanging <laughs> above Dick. Did you ever play there? Cause it was the same, like it was the visitor yeah. side coming down that yeah, I played there all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. Like those live wires right above where you come out and turn and kind of come out right by like where home plate is, uh, but those live wires had water just rolling it. And there was like smoke coming from the wires. And I was like, this is unbelievable. I took a video and like zoomed in on it. And then like the next year we played and it was raining and it was the same exact thing of like the smoke coming off these wires. I'm like, I don't know if this is, uh, this is safe. <laughs> like you got a lot of people safe. running out underneath there. But the other story I want to share, and this is me sharing someone else's story. So I was not there. Uh, but and you talk about, you know, the late great Len Dawson. Uh, and what the rivalry meant to him uh, talking with some of the radio people over the years uh, of how Len did not hold back when they went to Oakland and they played in that stadium. Um, you know, Kendall Gammon talks about like there was a cup because there was a hole in the ceiling that somebody like duct taped a cup, like a little like Petri cup to the ceiling to keep the water. And then he went back the next year and the same cup still sitting there. Like it was just how they fixed things. Um, but one of somebody with the radio network, I can't remember who it was, told me the story of, you know, one of the games fans were talking trash to Len Dawson and the window was open. So you could like hear back and forth and he almost, they, they had to stop him from climbing out the window to go get in a fist fight <laughs> with this fight with this Raiders fan uh, who was letting him have it. Uh, but yeah, I, I always remember that story about Len as well. That's awesome. He's a competitor. He's a competitor. That's for damn it sure. It doesn't go away. 
That does not go away. And also remember the press box for the Raiders is about the size of uh, like a school bus. Uh, and you've got hundreds of media that are supposed to be in there and everybody was crammed into one. And they always had one radio guy that was doing like live hits in the press box. Press box supposed to be quiet. Uh, you're not supposed to cheer. You're not supposed to do any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just be like, jump up in my chair. You'd always hear like chairs slamming because I couldn't say anything. Uh, so I'd just kind of slam my chairs. But when you played in Oakland, there was some radio dude that would always do like the quarter end updates for like the radio. And he would like yell them. And the entire press box is listening uh, to this dude because you're sitting like 10 feet from him uh, doing that. So it was always an experience uh, playing there um, or reporting there, I should say. I don't know what the experience is like playing there. Nick, you can share a story. <laughs> well, you play there a lot. How bad, like, give context to how bad it was. For example, the post-game presser area for the visiting team was in the Oakland Athletics, like, uh, weight room. Yeah. The camera tripods that are shooting a post-game presser for the NFL team are literally set up on treadmills. <laughs> like, coaches mm-hmm. standing behind the dumbbell bench area. There's a black tarp. Right behind them are all the dumbbell benches. The media is sitting, and like you open the drawer next to you, it's like the metrics bars. Like yeah, it, it's unlike anything else anywhere else. No, it's, I mean, it's a baseball stadium, right? And how many guys are on a baseball roster? Like 20, 20 or 30, right? So that, that's your locker room is a baseball locker room made for 20, 30 guys. And you've got 53 right. people, you know, and minus eight are trying to get dressed. 45 people are trying to get dressed and you're in a baseball locker. It was a baseball stadium. And they said, Oh, let's add football to this too. And we just configure the field this way. So the, the field was wonky that the setup was, was whack. Um, it was just, it was awful. It was a, a shithole. Uh, you know, when you stayed there and you had, we'd stay in, in San Francisco and we we'd yep. drive over an hour and a half to, <laughs> to, to get to Alameda, to, you know, in the stadium's in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and uh, it was just, it was just all around bad. And it's usually a day game. Right. So it was just, it was miserable. And I love that you have to run like right through the middle of the Raiders sideline to get to the visitor side. Yeah. Because of, you come out at like home plate right at the 50 yard line, unless you go all the way around, which you can't, cause there's so many cameras and just stuff that it's a pain to get all the players. So they just run right through the middle of the Raiders like sideline uh, to get over to their side. RIP to the awkwardness. But that being said, Allegiant, as much as we can say this, we went out there for the Shrine Bowl, is crazy awesome. Like, it's a completely different vibe, to your point, Nick. It's a little more corporate. It's a little, like, you feel like you're in a really nice Vegas nightclub. With (laughs) music, the way that everything looks and sounds, all black and gray, and it it fits their their brand. But their brand, to me, was the Oakland Alameda Coliseum and, like, just these rough dudes that just, you were going to go there, you knew you were going to get a bunch of shit, and they were going to give you everything they had. Whereas Vegas is just, like... A giant club, basically. Yeah, the the vibe in Oakland was I am scoring drugs in a safe, shady place, and I might get murdered here. That's the vibe <laughs> from Oakland. All right, before we let everybody go, ex- expectations for Monday night, Tucker. We'll start with you. Uh, I expect this to be a close game. It's a division game. It's a rivalry game. So I always expect these games to be close. But I do expect the Chiefs to win. Um, they're coming off a, a big game, a big. Uh, hopefully, they can build some momentum off of that. Raiders are coming off a win as well. And you can make sure to check out my conversation with uh, Eddie Pascal for Raiders.com. That'll be on today's KCSN update. You can check that out. Uh, we talk about the Raiders and kind of what they've got going up, on, going on into this game. Uh, they just come off a division game with the with the Broncos. They're kind of due for a win. Uh, the Raiders were, and they got. They took care of business there. They ran the ball. Josh Jacobs had a career day, and 
they ended up with a win. So we talk about that a little bit, but I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a, a good game as well. Uh, it's always a good game when the Raiders and Chiefs get together. It is. I, I think you got to pay attention to the, uh, the, the right tackle and the D end uh, Max Crosby. Um, you know, I think that'll be a good matchup. We'll see how they scheme that. Uh, I think last year they ran some, uh, they ran some screens off it to sort of uh, counter Max's bull rush and aggression. I also read that he's on baby watch. Max Crosby is. So there's always that. So he might be, you know, playing for the, the baby, uh, the unborn baby yet. So, you know, congrats to him, all, all that stuff. That's awesome. Uh, so, yeah, so I think, I think that'll be the indicator. If Max Crosby gets shut out, then the Chiefs win. Like if he has under two sacks, you know, he will win. And we'll see if Max goes against Orlando Brown, too, on, on the flip side, too, because Orlando Brown has had some weaknesses sort of um, exposed uh, in his O-line play. So we'll see how however Max Crosby does is, is how, how the, the rest of the team will go. You know what the beauty of that is? And I think Max Crosby is one of the more underrated players in the NFL, Absolutely. Uh, just in general. He is an absolute game record uh, defensive end. It's just too bad he's playing for the Raiders. Um, <clears throat> but as a person, like Max Crosby has an amazing story. And I know he's got a, a podcast that he does on Blue Wire uh, where he has some fun with it. But he's got an amazing story of you know over, things that he's overcome mentally, um, substance abuse, all that kind of stuff. Like he's been very open about it. Uh, and shout out to him for for doing that. But uh, I do think it's interesting when you're talking about the matchup he has with the right tackle, considering they're friends from college. <laughs> that Andrew Wiley yeah. and and Max Crosby, uh, our friends from college. I remember talking to Max Crosby at the combine um, when the year he was coming out because. Uh, Wiley had just got done playing with the Chiefs at that time. Wiley was moving around doing some different things, real valuable. And not a lot of people were talking. Max was sitting at a table at the combine, wasn't a high, you know, highly touted prospect um, doing his interviews, same time that, you know, some of the big name first round picks were on the podiums. And I went over and sat and talked to him. And I was the only one sitting at the table. And we talked about Wiley for like 15, 20 minutes. Uh, and he was like, yeah, that's my boy. And they were going through it. So it'd be fun to watch those two guys get after it again. But uh, I expect the Chiefs uh, to win this game. I think it, I don't want to say it's not going to be close. I think it'll be somewhere between, I think it'll be two possession win for the Chiefs, maybe like 10 point win. But what I'm really excited to see is we've been talking about Patrick Mahomes, front runner for the MVP, according to Bill Barnwell at ESPN that we talked about at the top of the show, is that this Raiders secondary is not what the Chiefs have faced um, over the last few years. And if you're looking for a get right game or a, a game for one of the Chiefs receivers to really step up and have a big game, which we haven't seen yet through four weeks. We talked about it as far as if you're looking, I talked about it with Ryan Tracy yesterday. If you're looking for one area of the team to, you know, kind of not to be concerned with, but surprising through four games, we haven't, we've seen big plays from Juju and we've seen some high, you know, leverage plays, but we haven't seen that big 110, 120, 130 yard game from one of the chiefs receivers. We've seen Kelsey dominate. This could be one of those games where whether it's Marquez Valdez Scantling, whether it's Juju, whether McCall Hardman, if his heels start to feel better, I know he's playing through some pain right now um, or even sky Moore. Uh, I don't know if he's going to have that huge game, but I'd look for one of the chiefs receivers to have um, a big statistical game that we haven't yet seen um, because the Raiders secondary, uh, not great. Probably Jody Fortson. Speaking of Jody Fordson, I crunched the numbers. 36 tight end in fantasy right now. Not bad. Not bad. So I said late. I didn't say. Are his only catches touchdown catches? Got some solid blocks, too. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't really score for you in fantasy. Um, But that that might be very true. I've got to go back here to my page. Two catches, two touchdowns. 
Red Zone Jody, man. That's what it is. That's what he is. Yeah. That's, it's that's two, yeah he has two catches out. for 11 yards and two touchdowns. <laughs> like, his the best part is his longest one is a 10 yard touchdown. So he has one catch for one yard <laughs> and one catch for 10 yards. It's amazing stats. I'm sorry, it's only going to heat up. This is the we just finished the first quarter of the season. It's going to heat up. I just exactly. love the fact that Patrick Mahomes has thrown touchdowns to six different players, and those six do not include Juju, Marquez Valdez Scantling, or Sky Moore. It's yeah. amazing. <laughs> like, yeah. Crazy. Well, everybody, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening to the podcast afterwards, we appreciate you for spending part of your day with us here on this episode of Outside the Trenches. We know there's a lot of great places you can get your Chiefs content. We appreciate being one of those stops. Again, please like and subscribe for watching on YouTube. Please follow us on the podcast platform. We've got a lot of different shows, a lot of different personalities that are all set up a little bit differently from one another. And that's by design to give everyone who everybody's got different flavors. Everybody's got different things that they like. And so we try to offer something for everybody here at KC sports network within our chiefs coverage. So we appreciate your support of what we got going on and uh, we'll have plenty more uh, content coming up. We'll have Derek Johnson and the defensive breakdown coming up on our YouTube channel. Uh, the breakdown with Matt Castle, Matt Hamilton, talking about some of the chiefs plays from that win over the bucks will be coming up on this channel as well. So a lot of good stuff coming up but again thanks everybody for tuning in and we'll see you all next week hopefully talking about a chief dominating victory over the las vegas raiders to move to five and one until then we'll see y'all later